ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ball Watching. So glad to be back with you all. It's been a little bit of time now since our, our, our latest episode, Justin, but we're back with the vengeance and we're just getting going, man. This is going to be a loaded, loaded episode for you all listening today. We've got tons of news. We've got a full-blown season preview we've been working hard on it for you all as well. Uh, so, Justin, it's Wednesday, time of recording. How are you doing? I, I see we're still in the office. Yeah, it's busy season. We'll be here for a while still tonight, uh, but we're getting there. Vibes are high. What are we? We're three weeks out as of yesterday from the first game of the season. Regardless if you want to call it regular season, Champions Cup, we're going to get into all those details, but three weeks out, so I'm pumped. That's right. There is some light at the end of the tunnel, Justin, for you. But uh, you know, we we like to do a little bit of a warm up for you here, Justin, before we get going here. So when we're not ball watching soccer balls, Justin, I know you love to watch American football, and you know, there's it's hard to talk about storylines this season without bringing up the goat herself, uh, Taylor Swift. And so, Justin, I want to ask you. Uh, this is, by the way, the only way I can get my wife to, to tune in this late on a Wednesday um, into the podcast. I told her this is coming. She said she might stay up for it. So, Maggie, if you're listening, uh, this is a question for you, Justin. So, Taylor Swift, obviously been a big talking point this year. She's going to the games. You know, Chiefs are obviously doing quite well heading into the Super Bowl here. Justin, she's been to 12 games. What's their record of the games she's been at? Oh, Okay. I will say um, the one thing that I'm going to note as well as ahead of this is that Travis Kelsey, a little pissed off at him, uh, the last seven games of the regular season, every game I bet on him to score a touchdown of those seven. You know how many times he scored a touchdown? Zero. Zero. So thank you, Travis, for that. So, I mean, they're still winning games without him, which is impressive. I mean, the, well, so the Chiefs finished. Uh, I won't think about this too much. So 12 games, you said? 12 games she's been to. Yep. No ties. Do I get a half point for no that? Ties. Uh, I'm going to say that they are seven and five. Do you th- are you are you pretty confident about that? Are you feeling like you you are you feeling like you could be underdoing it or overdoing it? I feel like I could probably be underdoing it because, but I'm trying to remember because she didn't go to like every game. I know because nope. like any of my friends that are girls were watching, like, oh, I can't wait to see Taylor, and then she didn't go that week, and people were shocked. So it's not like they just like had a. It was just throughout the season. The Chiefs kind of finished close to 500. I'm going seven and five. And I think she's been to all the playoff games as well. So like she yeah, missed for a sure. chunk that's of that's for sure. So they're she's oh oh you're right. So they they, they did pick up three. I'm gonna go eight and four. Eight and four. Final answer. Nine and three. Nine mm-hmm. and three. You got closer. You got closer. Thank you. Reminding me of the playoff games is helpful because obviously they've been a lot of three. So I couldn't believe that, man. I actually thought the opposite when I when I saw that. I th- I thought they'd have been a little bit closer because it's just been a down season for them. But then I factored in the playoffs as well, and they've been ripping it up, obviously. So. That well, is obviously patent stats. I couldn't even remember the games because I was so enamored by watching Taylor Swift in the stands. I couldn't even remember the score. We need a Taylor Swift in soccer. We we just someone needs to get hooked up with a a pop icon and just blow up the sport. I mean, their ratings are the best they've ever been. She is herself probably bigger than some of the teams they have in the NFL. It's crazy. Oh, I mean, I bet you she goes to a sporting Kansas City game this year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, why not? That would be cool. I mean, we kind of had that with Miami a little bit. You can see all the celebrities that are going to those games, but not like a specific person that are, is like dating one of the guys. Not with the the stuff they were doing with their front office staff uh, that they've since now reneged on. But uh, that's, a, that's a conversation for another time, Justin. Let, let's get into the show for today. So we're going to kind of split this in two for you all listening to us. Welcome to everyone joining live. Uh, glad to have you all here. We're going to talk about just kind of a quick hit news. 
on everything that's kind of been going on and swirling around the club uh, as of the last couple of weeks since we last talked to you all. And then we'll get into the the fun season preview we're about to break down for you all. But it's hard. I mean, literally today, I'm glad we're recording because there's things dropping like flies out there. And the, the biggest thing I think that happened today is we got news that Bradley Carnell, the third, has gotten his first contract extension in his career and he is getting that after one year on the job one his first full year as a professional top tier coach and he's rewarded with the contract extension justin what do you think about that i'm not surprised by it i was a little uh, it's one of those things where i mean he had a hell of a season last year definitely in the conversation for coach of the year ended up not getting it um but i will say why not? I'm a, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, we probably didn't sign him to like a long-term deal initially anyways, just to test the waters. You don't want to lock him up for like three or four years. And what if we just did absolutely awful last year? So I'm assuming, and I was talking to Lucas in the office, it was probably one where he signed him. And then like, depending how it was, it was like a club option for a plus one. I bet you now we're like, Hey, we like how this went. Everybody likes you in St. Louis. You did a great job. Here's the extension, but there are no details. So I am intrigued to see like how that goes or how long that extends. I will say the club is a fantastic job at keeping things pretty close to the chest. And I, I don't love that as a fan, but I get it. Um, you know, as a communication staff, you want to keep things pretty close here and not just let every detail ooze out. I kind of have mixed feelings on it. I think it's, he definitely deserves a reward for what he was able to accomplish in just one year on the job. It was absolutely fantastic. And he's exceeded all expectations but I just I struggle because then you leave yourself in a spot of I, I don't know. It just for me, it's it's getting an early reward when for me, this sophomore season is a big. We talked about this just in another preview show we did on ID Sports. For me, this is kind of a milestone marker for us is, OK, you had all the initial success. Everyone was hating you, all the bulletin board material. Now, what do you do when like all that publicity kind of goes away a little bit and you just got to be grinded out, you know, a full slate of MLS games? So. I think we're going to learn a lot about Carnell this year and learn maybe if you know whether he was worthy of that or not. I'm not saying he's not, but I think it's an interesting time to give a, a coach a, a contract extension, especially considering what happened in the playoffs. You know, he definitely has things to improve on, uh, and I don't think this is going to change how he approaches things. But I'm happy for him nonetheless. No, I'm completely fine with it. And I'm happy that we have him locked up. So now it's that's one of the another things we don't have to worry yep. about. So as we kind of look into that and getting more excited with the season, other big news. Luvin and Nilsson getting their green card. So they're actually missing a week of camp right now. Um, and we also have a couple of guys um, that have already done this, coming in from foreign countries and get, having their green cards or getting them so they don't take up international spots. You have them listed in here. Josh Aro from Ghana, Kyle Hebert from Canada, and Celio Pompeo from Brazil. Which, Jake, why is this so big for us? What's up with the international spots? Why do we need this? Yeah, I honestly didn't even know what a green card was. I knew it had something to do with immigration. But a green card is basically allows you to live and work permanently in the United States. And permanently is kind of like sort of permanently. I, I, I hear it's about 10 years potentially to renew. But you're living as a lawful permanent resident here. And it's important for us from a soccer sense because we were at the max on international spots. We even got one additionally from Nashville so we could have Nicholas uh, do your assigned uh, to the team and we wouldn't go over that allotment. But then you left you're left wondering about guys like Jose Kojima, assuming he gets signed by the team or God forbid we make another splash signing before this window closes, or maybe even in the summer, uh, you know, Lutz loves his, his Europeans, you know, we are need another slot. And so what we're able to do with Nilsson and Leuven is it sounds like both of them would like to have lives in the U S potentially even after playing here. Um, when they are here, by the way, their spouses cannot work for pay. They are pretty much confined to, whatever they want to do, but more of like kind of like a passion or hobby project, they cannot be compensated legally. 
for any services they're providing here. So for Nilsson, I know specifically his wife wanted to work um, and he wants to give her the power to be able to do so. Um, so getting a green card is great for them personally, but for us, that's two slots now they will not occupy as international spots. They will be domestic players by the MLS rules. So it's a great, great pickup for us. Um, and it's also just nice to see these guys kind of investing in the country that's, um, and even in St. Louis a little bit, you know, they clearly like it enough to get a green card and, and keep living here. So I like it from a lot of different angles. No, I agree. And then on the flip side of this, just some more news that dropped two hours ago. Tom Bogert said, breaking news, Duncan McGuire's $4 million transfer from Orlando City to Blackburn has collapsed while McGuire is currently on a flight to England, which is kind of insane. Like, imagine that you figure out literally on your way there that it collapsed. And then, Jake, I wanted to do a quick segue as well as we're going to then talk about League's Cup. You know who's been absolutely killing it down in Mexico? The transfer from Cincinnati. And it's one of those things. What? Did he, how many goals did he have in the last game? Oh, yeah, he one got- of an incredible header, mm-hmm. Brandon Vasquez, and that incredible header, and then a nice put away there as well. So he's doing it down in Mexico. And why is that important? And that's because the league league's cup news just dropped today, and I'm pretty happy with how they uh, kind of switch things up. Yeah, the most the most hated tournament in America, given all that happened with the U.S. Open Cup, because this is kind of the thing that at least made the MLS want to get out. Uh, but yeah, league's cup is back. Weird how quietly this whole draw happened and. Everything kind of just filtered out slowly today about some new news on it. But essentially, the groups are out. We are in the West 3 group. Uh, There are some changes coming out with League's Cup. But what you all need to know, we'll just tell you right here. We're in a group with two other teams, just like we were last year. This year with FC Dallas and FC Juarez. Uh, from Liga Mackies. Uh, FC Dallas, obviously we know them. You know, they're playing the Western Conference. We'll play them twice as well in the MLS campaign. Uh, they're they're a pretty solid team, and they just made a big signing today as well. Um, so they'll be even better than last time. And then FC Juarez is actually, I would say, a, a bottom, you know, three, bottom four club in Liga Mackies. And the way those groups ended up is because now, in iteration two of League's Cup, they made the groups based on your competitive positioning and tiers in your leagues. So based on like our supporter shield rankings and how Liga Mekis did a full year of, you know, they kind of split their season into two, the Apertura and the Klausura. Um, they made, you know, tier one, tier two, tier, tier three. We were tier one, obviously, finishing top of the West. And then Dallas was our tier two team and Juarez was the tier three team. So a lot more parity, I would say, they're looking for in this year's iteration of League's Cup. And the other thing, Justin, to note that I saw that was interesting here is two things. One, they're kind of going hockey style in terms of the draws and the PKs. They loved the PK format. Fans ate it up apparently this past year. So if you draw, both teams get a point and the winner of the PK shootout, they totally skip overtime, gets an additional point. So if you draw, the most points you can get is two. Uh, The only way you can get three is a regulation win. And I think they're just trying to keep this thing fresh. Um, And the only other difference I want to point out, Justin, is that Obviously, a lot of the complaints last year around how the Mexican teams have to do a buttload of travel. Uh, fortunately, that is not as much the case this year. Uh, they are doing this thing called hub cities. So they're rewarding essentially the best four teams in Mexico, uh, which obviously Club America is number one. And Club America will have home field advantage, basically. They will, they will be the host city for, I think, all the way up through the semifinals. And then the second place in Liga Mackies will have home field all the way up to the quarterfinals. And the third place, round of 16 and so on. So there'll be some games played in Mexico this year. For us, doesn't matter. Our group is going to be all here in St. Louis. It's the highest ranked MLS team host unless you're those four Mexican teams of which we are not. So we're going to have all the group games here, even Dallas and Juarez, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I'm extremely excited. I think the more home games that we can get in this season, it's the better. I mean, we have the best atmosphere in the MLS, I would say. So anything else that we can add here, I know there's a lot of ups and downs with this tournament, but it seems like the MLS is trying to do as much as they can to pretty much turn this around a little bit, and we'll see what it means for US uh, for the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, Justin. So before we get into the last kind of two topics, so we've got two more things here. Preseason, obviously, is in full swing. We're basically halfway through right now. The boys are in St. Louis right now, heading out to California at the end of the week, uh, and they're working their tails off. They've only played one actual you know, in, uh, scrimmage so far. They had one intra-squad scrimmage, which I would have loved, again, to have seen. But uh, they played Nashville and went to a 2-2 draw after being down 2-0 uh, when they were playing still in Florida. They had a goal from Indy, who had a cutback from Celio, Celio as he diced a couple defenders up. Justin, I'm on Celio watch this year, man. He's looking he's looking good. I know it's preseason, but even that highlight, I loved what I was seeing. And Adinaran had the second goal for us. Uh, he was played in through, I think, Thorison it was, and he was able to round the goalkeeper and slot home. So, you know, even in preseason, Justin, I remember you and I were talking about last year, that's all we had. Like we had no other games to think about in terms of historicals for us. Even this year, you want to see positives for sure. You're not going to dwell too much on anything, but it sounds like it's been, you know, productive and, and positive so far for a lot of players. And uh, obviously no injuries that we've heard of yet as well. And I think we've got a full, basically besides the two guys going to get the green cards, we've got a full camp. I think everyone's here now. Yeah. And we talked about that on the IA sports preview. I think this is huge for us that, a lot of these guys that we had last year either didn't have time to really meet the rest of the team or were flying in like in January and just doing this camp right now. So I think this is huge for this team to get an entire camp together and build. And I know we have a couple comments in here and people asking us like, what did we improve on in the offseason? I know we're, we're going to talk about that with fullbacks and everything, but I think the biggest improvement that's going to happen with this team is chemistry. We're, and uh, yeah, we had a hot start last year, but that was, I'm not going to say luck, but it was a lot of just us playing well, but now it's just going to be chemistry based, which I think is extremely important. This team with a lot of these guys where, and they're also fighting for positions. I think there's, and we'll talk about starting 11s as we get down this list as well, but I don't think there's really a set one at this time, Jake. I don't even know if we have a set formation, much less a starting 11. I think you're seeing some tinkering and, and preseason is the perfect time to do that. Uh, but w- again, we, we saw a lot of tinkering even towards the end of last year. And I want to, you want to see some little bit more stability, I, I would hope getting into this season. But for the rest of preseason, we've got a, a scrimmage coming up against uh, the Galaxy in L.A. at 3 p.m. on February 3rd. That will be streamed live um, through the City app, which kudos to the club. That's awesome. You know, obviously, the MLS leaves it up to all the clubs to do any sort of streaming unless you're in Miami and your name's messy. Uh, so I'm, I'm very fortunate and happy to, to see the club investing in us like that. We have another... Uh, exhibition against LAFC in California a couple days later, uh, one on the 10th in against New York Red Bulls, which will also be streamed but by the Red Bull, um, so you can catch that. And then we'll finish off coming back home here for a, a friendly against Louisville City uh, in a closed-door scrimmage on the 15th, and then five days later, we will open up the campaign, not MLS campaign, but the CONCACAF Champions Cup campaign against Houston Dynamo here at home. But last really topic here, Justin. It's been the talk of the last couple of weeks because it was kind of a saga here, but uh, we bid adieu to Nico Joachini. I know. Very sad. Sorry. I'm doing the doing little fingers. It was sad when you saw Joao post that and he's like, just one last time. It was a picture of them doing that connection. Um, Nico was an awesome player for us to have. I mean, if you look about it, I think he had his ups and downs throughout the season, but if the one thing I'll remember him by is one, his personality and his attitude toward the club, always helping out. And then also looking at that, he had 10 goals for us uh, throughout the season as well. As our top tied for our highest goal scorer was Joao. And kind of looking at a timeline for Nico, 
with all of this. It was kind of a little bit of a saga, like, is he going to go? There was news leaking here and there about the Como offer and us us kind of rejecting it and sending it back, but kind of always known that he wanted to go back abroad, having an Italian father, spending four years there. So for his timeline in the MLS, it was more on July 20th um, of 2022, it was announced that he has signed for a two-and-a-half-year contract, plus an option of another year with Orlando City of the MLS. Then a year later in November, or sorry, in November, not even a year later, a couple months later, we picked him up in the expansion draft, which is one of the best moves that we've made, obviously, for our entire first season. Um, and then so we had him. And then in January 24th, it was announced that he'd be joining uh, Club Como on a three-and-a-half-year contract worth $2 million with a possible $2 million in uh, other add-ons, depending on yeah. how he performs. Yeah. And since then, I don't know if you've been following, but I follow them now because – we you you as fans and I'll get to this. We should all follow them for some reasons, but they have signed everyone and their mother. It's crazy. They're on a spending spree, and I think it's because they're eyeing promotion. But what does this mean to us? Obviously, losing Giochini personally, it, it sucks. He's a big spirit and a big character in the locker room. But uh, for us internally, obviously, Justin, you said he was our top joint top goal scorer. He produced the most XG for the team last year. We have definitely a slimmer striker pool now to choose from. I think unless someone steps up, you know, pretty, you know, beginning to mid part of this season, we could see this spot reinforced with, I would say, more of a proven type talent versus more of an investment type talent, which I think we're more more known for. Um, Two million dollars. Great number. Great, great output, considering we got him for free from Orlando on the expansion. Obviously, we had to pay his wages, but no transfer fee there. So two million that's in our pocket. We have the incentive to have another $2 million based on a couple of different things we call add-ons. Uh, but most importantly there, some of those things can be performance incentives. Maybe it's Nico needs to score five goals and a certain number is met. But I'd say probably a big part of that is if they are promoted to Serie A, which is where Juventus plays, where Roma plays, you know, the top division in Italy, I bet we get a lot of that windfall of that $2 million. So we could easily see closer to $4 million, which would be a record signing, I think, for FC Como as of right now. And for us... That is a lucrative piece of business to be doing. I mean, the the feeling that Lutz must have picking him up in the expansion draft and then looking at potentially what could be four million, but at the very lowest two million, it's astounding. It's it's a great great bit of business from uh, the from the whole front office and from the, our sporting department. So I'm really happy. And the last thing I want to say, Justin, is if I'm a prospective player and maybe i'm stalling in europe maybe i'm stalling in south america maybe i want to make the next jump but i'm not ready for the top five leagues yet maybe they're not ready for me i think mls is showing that it's a great way to make that jump almost like a trampoline to wherever you want to go next like Giochini just did so it's a great recruitment message for us is come to st louis city this is the place where you will develop you will get minutes and we will not stand in your way when you want to leave. We will, in fact, probably use our connections to help you leave. So I think it's a great, great way for us to, to you know, market ourselves as a club. And it's a great bit of first business. It's our first transfer. Um, so I'm not, I'm not counting Stroud and Bartlett, obviously, because that was more of a swap. But a first transfer, I'd say that's an A. That's an A for me. And it's going to be tough for fans. I think Nico, like I already talked about, was one of the favorites. So was Stroud. I think Stroud was pesky. And people were looking at that. But also Bartlett. But I think that... Overall, for Nico, that is one of those things that, as a club, this is what players are looking to do. They're look, not looking to use this as a jump-off point, but expand into their season. And that's one of the things. It's hard to let him go, but you also just got to be happy for the guy. I follow him on Instagram individually. was clicking through stories the other day. He's just living on Lake Como in Italy. 
it looks incredible. Like you go, you go to succession, you watch the scenes that are out there. Just imagine the life that he's living. Like, I don't know where he's Lux living or wherever he's living downtown St. Louis. Now he's on Lake Como, Italy. Like that's just awesome news for Nico. And you know what? I love downtown. It's, it's getting better. I love city park. It's not like Como. <laughs> it is not, but you know, kudos to Nico. Congratulations on a big move. Uh, we're, we're definitely happy for him. And maybe, maybe we haven't seen the last of him. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but before we get into our season preview, Justin, we've got to give a big shout out to the collective of amazing, wonderful, fantastic sponsors that we have, um, starting with Series 6. Justin, I just drove by it the other day. Um, I was not able to go in yet. But again, we, we talked about this before. Huge congrats to Sammy and the team. The new HQ looks fantastic. It's in South City off of Watson Road right next to Pietro's. And they've got so much more space now. I don't know if you all went to the when it was in the boulevard, but you could tell they were kind of about growing that space. And I think Sammy now feels this weight off her shoulders to show all their apparel off and a little bit more of space. So I'm super happy for them. And if you again, go check it out. They have an awesome Mardi Gras line. They have so many cool things to go look at and it's constantly refreshing. So go in store or go online at series6company.com and use code ball watching at checkout for 15% off. Um, we love to support Sammy and support local. If, I mean, if you can't get down there in person, go online. She was just on Fox 2 News today promoting the Mardi Gras line. Mardi Gras is literally next Saturday. So if you're listening to this, it's pretty much going to be a week away by the time you get to it. Get something from Series 6. is awesome. Support local. Use code BALLWATCHING for 15% off. Another code that we have for you is Soul Juice. Use code BALLWATCHING at souljuice.com to get 20% off. We're working with Luis to kind of get him integrated into the St. Louis area um, as they're currently moving the company back to St. Louis into the soccer roots with different aspects, different sports as well. Wink, wink, see what we can get us get going there as well. So get to souljuice.com, 20% off um, using code BALLWATCHING. And then the pitch. Get to the pitch. The season's going to start in three weeks. I'm going to pretty much be living there again. I need to move my cot back into the back room. But if you get even before the season starts, EPL, playoff football, Mizzou basketball, SLU, still tanking, can't figure it out, fire Travis Ford, I'm not sorry, Mr. Koenig. That this one is just—it's got to go. It's over. I—I I, I will not eat my words. He's got to go. But you should just go watch other sports while you're there. Don't even turn the bills on. If they have it on, ask him to change the channel. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there, there's a, a quick word for our sponsors there, and and more to come uh, very, very soon on that front. But I'm excited for this, Justin. It's finally season preview time. We've gotten through the news, and now we get into speculation, hot takes, a little bit of analytics, Justin. I know you were working hard last night on this, but how about you open us up a little bit? I will. So I, Jake did a great job building this out and broke us into a couple different phases, but I wanted to attack it from a number side since I can't get my mind off of numbers. I'm dreaming about work right now, and I'm still at work. So I just tried to do a little a couple of analytics to see, like, do we have any advantages or dis- disadvantages for the season? So my first thoughts is, how many teams are we playing this year that made the playoffs last year? And how many times do we play them? 22 games are up versus playoff teams while four team are against eliminated teams. Yes. That's 36 total games right now. We, and this is the current schedule, not knowing us open cup leagues cup just dropped today. wasn't going to include that, but so that does include the two games versus Houston 22 versus 14. That sounds like a lot. That's about 61% of our games. 62% of the te- of the teams in the league make the playoffs. Very even. I'm like, uh oh, I might be struggling here. That I mean, the MLS does this to make sure that it's all pretty even for everybody. Yeah. The average position of the Supporter Shield race last season of our opponents was 15.7th out of 29, so just a little below average. So yep. Maybe there's a little upside there. And I was like, all right, how many average points or points per match did the teams have last year that we are playing? The average amount of points of against all the teams that we played, 
that magic number 45, right at that cutoff line for the playoffs. 44 points got you in the playoffs in the West last year, 43 this year or in the East this past year. So just right there, 1.33 points per match average amongst the teams we play. The entire MLS was 1.35. Everybody is right there. And I was like, all right, Jake, I'm going to get them. I'm going to find something. How do they match up when they're at home versus they're away? So when we are away, we're looking at the opponent's home record from last year. And that's a 1.71 average that our opponents have from last year. The entire MLS home games is 1.70. Exact same. Now, when we're at home, how did, how did the teams play away? Are the at points per match last season for the average of teams are playing was 0.96. The MLS average is 0.98. Wow. The MLS just made this so even. It wasn't even fun. But then I found it. What advantages do we have? Goal differential. Obviously, the entire MLS nests to zero because if we win by four, someone else goes down by four. However, the combined goal differential for our opponents last season was minus 23. And that includes two Champions Cup games this year for Houston, who were plus 13 last year. So that's already a plus 26. So really, if you take that with the Champions Cup, our regular season is a minus 49 of the opponents that we played last year. I'm like, wow, that's extremely high. Why? Colorado was minus 28 last year. And yeah. we played twice. But they have Zach Steffen. But even with Zach Steffen, you can't really make all that up. I'm taking that as a silver lining. Regular season games combined all of the games we played this year. Teams, if you add all their goal differential up from prior year, it was minus 49. Wow. What an analysis there. I mean, it's crazy how close everything is there's really not much to divulge there but you you found something there in goal differential so so props to you uh you mentioned that we broke this this season out into phases i just found it easier to think about this you know obviously it is almost basically the better part of a year of a season for us so i I wanted to kind of chunk it out into memorable components so we broke this out into four phases we're calling them Uh, so we're approaching the beginning of phase one um, so what kind of gains will you play in phase one? CONCACAF Champions Cup, at least two, potentially more if we advance and beat Houston Dynamo. Um, and obviously MLS. We have six home games at that time, five away. Uh, and this is kind of all happening pre-US Open Cup, which no schedule yet. Not even any official word on what the MLS status is. Um, but I, I assume if I put money on it, we will be playing in the US Open Cup, our actual first team. How does rest look during phase one? Average of five full days of rest before our next game day. But we do start off quite hot. Justin, you have a great note in here with three days, two days, three days of rest prior to playing again. Uh, Who are we playing in this chunk of time? Uh, This is going to be notable fixtures like Houston twice in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, RSL twice, who we've seen improve significantly, FC Dallas as well. And we end with Sporting Kansas City. Um, So quite a, a way to start the season, I'd say, for us. Yeah, and I think also something to note when we chunk these up was each game of the phases ends with a pretty strong game or a notable one at least. I have the points for match average in here. I don't even think it's worth it how I kind of decided above. But things I do things two things I want to note for each of these phases is games we must get results on and games we need to find a way to get points. The must get results, my kind of filter there, were teams with less than one point per match when they're away. So our home games during this phase, Houston, 0.82. New York FC, first time ever against them. They're away points per match last season, 0.65. DC was just under one, and Austin with a 0.82. Four games we got to get dubs on. We got to find a way to get points against one team that was over 1.75 points per match when they were at home. So we're going away to Houston. They averaged 2.18 points per game at home last year. That's going to be a tough one in this first phase. So phase one opens up on February 20th, obviously coming up here against the Dynamo here at home in the Champions Cup. 
and then it ends on 420 ironic uh against sporting kansas city in kansas city and we might be there for that one justin um but moving into kind of headlines for that before we went to phase two is champions cup i'm, I'm up in the air and how i feel like carnell and, and staff are going to approach this i feel like you saw a very lackadaisical approach to cup competitions last year and i say that that it's not meant to be overly negative as much as you could tell that we weren't all out going for it in the competitions you know us open cup we did a ton of rotation uh we saw our lineup in leagues cup especially night one against columbus we got worked um that was not a great uh lineup either so it'll be interesting we've heard uh on the iad show maybe we should really really just prioritize mls and have certain goals around that this year because it is going to be a lot of games. If you stay alive in these competitions, they will begin to pile up. We talked about LAFC and how many games they played last year was insane. Um, but I actually would like to see us, you know, at least treat one of these a little more seriously and try to make a run at them. Um, so I, I think that's kind of my my headline as we look at the beginning part of the season is how do we approach, you know, tournaments. Yeah, if, if I were to pick one, I'd pick Champions Cup because that's one that you're never guaranteed to get back into, right? I mean, U.S. US Open right. Cup, if it stays around, we'll be in at least Cup similarly as well. Champions Cup is pretty much playoff soccer, so I hope that we go with that. And like we said, rounded out Phase 1 with our game on 420 tight at Sporting Kansas City. Phase 2, seven games, pre-Leagues Cup still, still could have potential for more Champions Cup games, U.S. Open Cup possibly, and obviously our regular season. During our Phase 2 of seven games, you have four home, three away, the average rest on this one is also six full days rest between. Uh, so basically, if we play on one day, the next six days we're off, and then we play the next day. Um, the only one notable thing in this one, Jake, which is extremely tough, I don't like this. We only have two full days of rest between LF, LAFC at home, and then we got to go to Cincy. So we play Wednesday and then Saturday against two teams that were basically top four um, in the West last season. I'm looking at it right now, Justin. So phase two happens from May 4th. May the 4th be with you um, to June 1st. So if anyone missed it, Justin's doing Star Trek as I'm, as I'm making a Star Wars reference. Uh, <laughs> not nerd guy. But uh, phase two is actually kind of a gauntlet, I, in my opinion. Houston, the Fire, who are also seeing invest in their team. LEFC, Cincinnati, Seattle, Portland, and then Messi and Co. I think phase two is sneaky. It's one of our, it's our shortest we have on here right now, but I think that could be a really difficult stretch of games, depending on how things pan out for us. Um, I mean, and then imagine we're playing LAFC and, and then at Cincy back to back yep. LAFC home or away. It's tough. And then at Cincy, that's also a hell of an atmosphere. So that's going to be a tough one. Must get results. I will say Chicago is adding to their, um, to their team. And, but last year they're away, they're 0.88 points per match. So we need to get a dub there at home, find a way to get points at Houston again of 2.18 um, average points per game at home and Cincy of 2.41. They were unreal at home last year. Headlines on this one, you already mentioned it, 5-11. Chicago come to St. Louis. One, nice little rivalry. Two, Tom Barlow's homecoming. Shout out to Tom. Shout out to Gallagher. LAF, uh, LAFC is at home on 5-15. Hugo Lloris is coming to town for that one. 5-18, three days later, two days of full rest that we are playing at the Supporter Shield Defenders in Cincinnati. And then we're ending, like you said, on June 1st at Messi and Friends. And then phase three commences. And phase three is kind of for my for me, the nickname is just the dog days of summer. So we've got June 15th through July 20th. So another month long stretch. And I just looking at just eyeballing this, Justin, I feel like this might be our easiest stretch, at least to the eye. 
Um, so, you know, we could be paying, playing potentially in the U.S. Open Cup still. We could be potentially in the Champions Cup still. But most likely, this is just heavy MLS in the lead up to League's Cup. Um, so we are going to play in this stretch at least four home games, five away games. So a little bit longer on the road for us. We're going to average about four full days of rest before each game day. Um, but we do have a pretty condensed timeline between uh, our games at Seattle and at KC. We have only two full days of rest between both. Uh, it's a Wednesday and a Saturday. So I think that could be really tough as we head into League's Cup. So, I mean, could have some leggy, leggy players heading into a big fixture. Yeah, I will say also that's two full days of rest, but we're at Seattle, which you know yep. is going to be a late game, even especially on a Wednesday night. That could be 8 p.m. our time. And then they got to yep. fly to Kansas City on one of those travel days. So that is going to be extremely tough. We do have some other ones at FC Dallas. Home versus Atlanta is a little bit of a sneaky one as well. Vancouver, we play home and away during this time. San Jose is at home. And then at Sporting Kansas City. I agree with you, Jake. I actually will mention the points per match on average during these phases. This is only a 1.19 points per match average when you're looking at how teams played away last year, so when we're at home, or how they played at home when we're away. That's the lowest of the phases. The one you just talked about, likely the hardest, 1.58 points per yep. match. So that was phase two. That would be a lot harder. We must get results. Portland at home, Colorado at home, San Jose at home. Colorado last year on the road averaged 0.59 points per match. That's disgusting. Um it's and then one to get on the road is a tough one. We already did this last year, Vancouver. That was when we clinched um, first overall seed, so we didn't really play the guys as much. But they averaged 1.76 at home. Long travel day. It's going to be on turf. That's a little bit of a weird one, so keep an eye out for that. So on July 7th, you know, the long 4th of July weekend, um, going to be in Colorado, which will be pretty cool. I think hopefully pretty actually cool temperature-wise as well for the dog days of summer uh, there in Denver. And then 720 again, like I said, we rounded out with our final game of that phase three against Kansas City before we go to League's Cup. And unfortunately, I don't like how they did this, but our first two games of the three against Kansas City, uh, a good note here is they're, they're the first two are away games. So we actually end on a home game for the, the trio. Yeah, it's, it's a positive and a negative there. I think I would like to get them back at home after losing at their place. So technically, we're playing three away games in a row if you count playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, one thing I also want to note, we don't know for sure the League's Cup schedule, but there's a, four, a full 34 days of rest between our regular season MLS games. So our last game that we play on Kansas City at 720, we don't play for a regular season game for 34 full days. So if you guys remember that last year, we got bounced from League's Cup. We had like three and a half weeks without playing games, and I did not like that. I don't like the boys just sitting around practicing against each other. We got to make a little bit of a push there. But to, but to our own defense, it actually worked out pretty okay because we came out of the gates all right, and we were a little bit worried about you know sitting up on the shelf for a little while and coming in cold uh, to the final stretch of games. But I think as much as we were up and down the final stretch, we started off decent. Um, so even if we get next early, you, you just got to look to take advantage of that rest because other teams are just putting minutes um, in their full rosters and, and delving deeper into their rosters to to field full teams. But phase four commences. Um, and this is pretty much just your final haul of MLS games right after League's Cup ends. Going to have a lot more rest uh, in this period of time. So average about six full days, so almost a full week uh, between each game day. However, only three full days of rest between home uh, versus Kansas City and then at LAFC. Uh, again, you hate to see the travel in the midweek games when they're such big fixtures like that. I mean, I want to get the LAFC monkey off our back this year for sure. And I want to get the the Kansas city one as well. Um, so I'm really hoping that we can get wins 
away uh, for against both those teams. Obviously, I'll take a home win as well, but um, those are two games you just really want to have your best foot forward for. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have the best rest heading into it. But, you know, you got to be able to do it. You got to be able to do it on any night, on any day. So, I mean, we're going to learn one way or another. Yeah, and I would say headlines on this. Yes, we're going back to uh, to Kansas City. We also traveled to LAFC as well. We're ending it at Minnesota. But, Jake, the biggest headline on that one, boys trip to Boston. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Love it. Yeah. We'll be up there. Yeah, we'll, we'll be up there uh, against the Revs, which will be quite – I'm interested to see how, how, the, how the Revs' atmosphere is. I, I'm sure it's not fantastic, but even if, if they're good, I'm sure it'll be uh, especially good towards the end of the season. Especially, Yeah, they play at Foxborough where the Patriots play, so I'm assuming they only saw the lower bowl, but they did average 2.35 points per match at home. That's extremely yeah. strong when you compare that to – I think only uh, um, Cincinnati had a higher points per match at home last season with 2.41. That's a strong home team. It is. It is. So phase four for us begins in August, August 24th. Um, so kind of, you know, the early fall or for St. Louis, the late summer or early winter, depending on how St. Louis is feeling at that time of year. But yeah, late August into mid-October, October 19th. And then we are off to hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, MLS Cup. Um, so we'll talk about our goals and our predictions here coming up here shortly. So don't you worry, a little bit of a tease there. But this team has definitely evolved as well uh, as we've seen throughout the, you know, the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, um, some notable outgoings. We already mentioned with that of Joe Akini probably being the most prominent. We talked about Stroud earlier, Bartlett earlier, uh, but Justin, let, let, let's go through the depth chart a little bit and let's start at the top. Let's start at the forwards. Give me your, you know, one, you know, top to bottom. Who are your you know, strikers for first city? And this is specifically strikers. We'll get into the midfield, yep. but who's your guy that's playing up top? I mean, it's obviously Joao. So, and then my question is, what are you going to do with big Sam Dinneran? I think he's your number two now without Nico. Does he come in on the wings? Does he replace Klaus? Do you play him side by side? I think he's going to be, we're going to have Joao at one, and then this is going to be a two-way guy. I mean, what are we, I mean, McSorley got the start in our first uh, preseason match. Yeah. Not, don't read into it too much, but kind of giving the guy a little bit of a nod there, see what he can do coming out of Providence. And then we also got Caden Glover. Is that kid 17 now? He's still not even a legal adult. Yeah. Can't even buy like a vape. It's, a, it's he, a, might be, he might be starting some games or coming off the bench. So who that's knows? Awesome. Yeah. This is this is the biggest question mark for me this season because obviously we know Klaus will lead the line. Adinaran, I want to say to your, to your commentary, like, yes, yes, yes. I could see games where they start together. I could see games where he might start – um, when I say together, like a four-four-two, so like together, a pairing up top. I could see if they want to maybe start him more out wide. I could see him coming in to rotate Klaus and give him a rest sometimes, and I could see him just being on the bench sometimes and coming off uh, to to provide a spark to the team. Obviously, he's got fantastic pace, so I just don't want to overwork both of them at the same time because if one of them goes down, our depth gets very thin very quick. And I don't think right. Kate Glover is talented as he is is ready to make that jump. And maybe he is. I would love, love, love to eat my words there um, into a big, big role this season. But McSorley, McScorley, uh, his nickname, they've been endowing on him, is is apparently having a decent preseason. So I'm excited for him. We haven't signed him yet, Ethan. Um, so we'll see if he comes good on that. But that's the striker depth for us. Yeah, and then we look at the midfield, more attacking focus. This is where we get pretty deep, and I think if, unfortunately, if one or two of those with Sam and Klaus go down, we can really change our lineup, and this is where we can really start to mold into whatever team we kind of want to be with AZ, Indy, Rasmus Alm, Thorson, Ostrock, Celio, 
Then you talk about uh, Tolan and Dyer or Dur coming up um, on the fullbacks, which we'll get in as we get into defense. But those guys will be getting forward a lot. I think we'd see some definitely some lineup changes and some formation changes. So a lot of those guys get up and down the sideline of the pitch. Reminds me a lot like a Marky Segebers. You can get an up and down, like a forward turn to a right back, and essentially just running the entire time, getting up and down, whipping balls in, and beating guys one-on-one. Yeah, I broke the midfield into three different chunks. So, so like you said, attacking focus. Think about your number 10s. Maybe your left midfielders or right midfielders, more traditional type roles. And then I broke it into hybrid, which is like your number eight or you're just your central midfielder. Not attacking, not defensive, just your central midfielder. And then defensive midfielder, defensive central midfielder, your number sixes. So you talked about attacking. I think, yeah, AZ, Indy, Alm, probably like the three biggest faces I'd say you expect to see a lot of. I'm still team Ostrock. I want to see him climb the depth chart this year, get more minutes and make a much more meaningful impact because I think last year, probably one of the biggest disappointments personally. And I hate to say it, uh, but he was so highly touted coming in here and I had such high expectations. And for one reason or another, he just wasn't able to cement or carve out a spot. Uh, and the team this this past year, but you see the talent, you see the clips they post of him, you see his finishing ability. I really hope to see him move up uh, and provide more of a an attacking threat for us this year. I would agree. I still think that my starting as we're working our way backwards. Let me know what your thoughts are. Joe out top. I'm going three right there. Going AZ right below him as a spark plug. Give me Indy on the right, cutting in with his left and. Alm, if he's healthy, but I really, from a spark perspective, I would like to see Celio have him come in on the right and kind of get those guys crossing and get balls into AZ and let him turn, get it out wide real quick, whip it back into the big man um, and do out class up top. I like that. Uh, and you're going to laugh at this, but Alm is not fully healthy yet. Uh, he is still rehabbing. From still, his still doing uh, yep. sit-ups. Still, so he had the sports hernia surgery in November. Still rehabbing, uh, doing some solo work on his own field, but he's with the boys. I think he'll be ready, but maybe not game full 90 ready come start of the season. I'm sure they're going to take it slow with him, but you've got to see a much fuller season from Rasmus Alm. Out of those guys, though, that means someone I need someone to step up. I think AZ has solidified himself and stepped up. That should be a consistent starter. I think Indy has also done it right there, but between Thor, Ostrock, Celio, and Alm, one of those guys needs to solidify that left wing. Agree. I agree. It, it's enough for me. It's enough talk about potential and what could be. We heard comments today that they may not rush to replace Nico because that's what they kind of bought Thorson for was maybe Denaram was going to leave at that time. And so they were looking ahead. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with all those narratives, but I think some guys have to come good this year. You know, maybe one year you have an off year. So for a guy like Ostrock, two years, shame on you. Um, personally, and I think Thorson's had less time to really get fully integrated, but I expect to see him play a bigger role this year as well. So I think that whole attacking part of our midfield or wingers or whatever you want to call it is going to be very, I'd say, almost revolving door until you get someone that says this is my position and no one's taking it from me. Absolutely. I just need someone to do that because yep. no more revolving door. I, what we have, like, I think we brought it up on IED Sports. Out of our 34 games, regular season games last year, we probably started 31 different starting 11. So I would like to solidify that a little bit more this year, please. Moving back a little bit further into the hybrid, the number eight center midfielder. I mean, it's Lubin's. It's Lubin's spot. He owns it. You could switch in Indy, Chris Dirk, and maybe Kojima if we end up signing him as well, but that's just Lubin's to own. Yeah, that's that's one place I still feel like we need reinforcement is someone that can truly do that role. because I, I do feel like Durkin is probably 
more suited for the defensive midfield role or maybe even a double pivot as we move down to defensive midfield with the number six. So Blum obviously is your most natural fit to play that role. Going to need more consistency from him this season, I would say. We've seen some peaks. We've seen some valleys. Let's find a good baseline there and let's ride that. Um, so I expect to see him starting in, in the six or in the anchor position. I see Durkin rotating a lot with him or playing alongside him as well. Uh, I think he can be a complementary skill set to, uh, to Blum. Otherwise, we always talk about Akil Watts is always thrown in the mixer for the defensive midfield spot. I am not pro that decision. I still want him to be more on the right back depth uh, option. But a, a fun fact here, Justin Tyson Pierce, uh, who we signed as a homegrown last year towards the end, uh, is also a central defensive midfielder still with the boys in camp right now. Uh, obviously still very young and probably pretty raw, but I would love uh, to see us, you know, it, of course, don't want to be in a crisis and handing out minutes to young guys like this, but um, maybe it's U.S. Open Cup or maybe it is the League's Cup, whatever it is. Uh, would love to see him. Apparently, he's got some great, great talent, and I would love to see him get blooded. Yeah, I'm absolutely in for it. I mean, I, I think we have plenty of guys that can be doing this, these spots, and we'll see how they fit. And I think it's proven with what Coach has shown and that with Bradley Carnell that we can just rotate guys in and they're going to fit into the system. So, I'd love to see more of it. I would say kind of as we move into also then our defense center backs, we already know Parker Nilsson. I think that's going to be our main starting two. hopefully they can hold out for an entire season, do a little bit better than how it ended last year. But we do have great backups in that sense. We look at Kyle Hebert, Josh Yarrow and Wenzel. I would say from a center back position, we are covered from depth. And then you look at our left back and right back and fullbacks do on the left with Mark and Nick right behind him. And if you need to Kyle Hebert stepped in a lot um, last year and then on the right back, Totland starting, you got Narinsky right behind him, or if you want to get a little bit more attack-minded, similar to Totland, you could throw Akil Watts in there. I don't think we're going to see the Akil Watts experiment again with him going up to where like Blum and Durkin, now that we have a little bit more reassurance there with Leuven. I think I'm interested to see where Akil Watts lands um, in our lineup, or maybe if he's a guy that if we're losing late in the game in like the 75th, you put him on to kind of push up when you play more of like a, a higher-up fullbacks. But what are your thoughts? The story of our defense is now you have options. And that's great. We've got more defensively astute options and we've got more attacking minded options. And I think that was the point of this last window for us was to go out and get Totland and Duyer, who both have a lot to offer going forward, which we missed a little bit towards the end of last season. I think Akil Watts had it sometimes. Mark Hanek had it sometimes. But I think my biggest, not question mark, but storyline heading into the season is Nilsson. I was obviously drinking the Kool-Aid before he was able to suit up for the boys, you know, given his injury that he came to city with. And I don't think we ever really saw him establish himself in the way that I thought he was going to. I think he has the potential to be a top center back in the league, given his experience, given his age, he's at his peak athletically and he just wasn't healthy last year. And I want to put up to that because I, I do want to say that one of my hot predictions coming out of this, my hot takes, is I think he's going to have a hell of a season. And we could actually be looking at Nilsson as our favorite, our, our best center back. Um, so that, that is my hopeful prediction for this year. Oh, I think that's 100% something that we should look forward to. I think we got a hell of a year last year out of Mr. Tim Parker. And I hope he continues it. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's anything we should expect or rely on. I think this is one where Nilsson needs to step up, show some growth, and show what we brought him here for. Goalkeeping, we know it's Mr. Berkey. Uh, you have Ben Lute and Oliveras who are backing him up as well, but there's nothing really to talk about. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Berkey's got to be Berkey. Uh, but other side notes, draftees, obviously we still have not signed officially any of our draftees being McSorley or um, Kojima. I, if I had to guess, I 
bet they sign Kojima. I could see McSorley as well. Um, but Michael Vinsel is is having a great – he had his great City 2 campaign last year. He's a leader. He's the captain of the team. He's with the first team here in camp, apparently impressing as well. Could see him filling in uh, with some center back depth. Obviously, we saw a lot of faces last year in the middle of the park. Um, and then we have Caden Glover and Tyson Pierce, who you don't know. Obviously, they're signed to contracts as homegrowns, but – uh, you know, Caden Glover got his debut last year. Didn't see too much of him after that. Um, I see this as a, depending on injuries, probably another year for them to really hopefully get a lot of minutes with City 2. Um, maybe even get a loan to USL if they're not going to see many minutes uh, and continue to develop. Yeah, absolutely. I would say these are some quick questions. That are, I guess starting 11, I, don't, we, I think we both agree let's, on this. Let's, let's finish it out. Starting 11. Berkey. Julier, Nilsson, Parker, Totland. Any changes? No, I, we're, we're drinking the Kool-Aid because we're going right for these guys we've never seen before, but I'm, I'm going to go for it, yeah. I think that's what they brought in here to do. I think if we could start with Mark Inick, um at the left if needed, or we could do Nerwinski at the right, just if these guys aren't fully ingrained in the system yet, but I think that's what will ultimately – this is best 11. Yep. I think that we'll see throughout the season. Blum and Leuven in front of them as well. With Indy, AZ, and all, we already talked about that. Maybe an Ostrak, maybe a Celio, maybe a Thor filling in on one of those, and then Klaus up top. Yep, I'm down. That is, that is my, I think, preferred 11. I'm going to get your best 11 players in the field. I think that's how it would shake out. I don't think that's how it's going to start, just given the arrivals and everyone's yeah. different in preseason. But, um, and we just know that Cornell likes to tinker. So I, I doubt that is how we shape up. And I wonder, Justin, let's, let's make a note. How many times will we see that 11 this year? Five. I'm going to, you're going to go five? I'm going to go under five. We're going to play like 40 games, though. And I'm talking like all, all competitions. Yeah, though. I'm talking all comps. Yeah. All right. Well, I really hope we see it a little more. I do, too. Uh, we have a couple storylines in here, Jake. I think if you want to handpick one or that you can answer as well. But I think this one's going to be good for the listeners as well. People want to DM us, get your thoughts. Is sophomore slump real? You see that a lot in sports. You see it. I think the one that always comes to mind for me um, was Cam Newton. Uh, as a quarterback when he saw the incredible first season that he had and then really drop off there in the NFL. Will the XG outperformance catch up with us? Can we actually just keep continue to finish goals that are not there? I think yes, because I don't think XG is a real thing, as you really know that. Um, will other teams preemptively adapt? Can they even do that? I mean, I think they started to and they can try, but it's still just a good system for us to have with overdoing this. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, no I comment I, on the XG thing. It's not real. The XG thing, I, I do think will probably regress in the variance because we really outperformed our XG last year, and that just means that we're scoring a lot more than we're expected to. Um, but I would love for that to keep pace, just maybe not as far as it was, because that's just hard to expect the team to do. Um, but for us, you got to avoid the sophomore slump. We saw with Austin, you know, last year they were. We went to the Austin opener uh, in Austin. They were supposed to be a contender. They went to the conference finals the past year, and they were awful last season. Um, so we got to avoid an absolute, you know, collapse uh, like that. And just, I, I think the key for me is. Regression is fine in terms of standings. Regression is fine. We don't need to finish first in the Western Conference, but we've got to progress um, with our principles and maybe further into the playoffs. Um, it doesn't need to all be about numbers or records or stuff. I just think we need to keep the eye on the ball, and that's just consistent, gradual progression. We just got to make sure we don't ball watch. That's right. That's eye right. on the ball, but don't watch it. 
How about individuals, Justin? Is Berkey going to have the same season? God, you hope so. Um, even if he regresses a little bit, I still think you're getting a lot of bang for your buck out of your best goalkeeper in the MLS. Yep, absolutely. And you have your, did we, up, did we upgrade our back line, actually? Absolutely. I think just adding some depth there, everyone knew and thought that our biggest openings were our fullbacks, and that's the first thing Lutz went out and did. So I do think we upgraded there. hope those guys live up to what we are hearing about them. Is the talent enough in the center mid position between Blum, Leuven, and Durkin? I think so. I think Durkin is one of those guys. We already talked about it. I think this will continue to push Blum to be the best that he can. I think I'm going to see a breakout season by Blum. I was, I think he did really well for us at the beginning. And then as we talked about on I-80, I think he just did what was expected. I'm, I'm ready to see him just blow up and take this team and kind of help ownership with Lubin in the midfield. Last question is, for me, goals. Where are they going to come from? Obviously, we're expecting Klaus to carry a heavy amount of that burden. But no more Gioacchini. People, a lot of people think Adenaran well outperformed his talent last year. Uh, I certainly hope not. We're going to need people to step up and chip in, literally chip in. We're going to need a lot more guys to to make you know meaningful contributions in the, in the goal output column. So uh, that's a question that I have heading, this, heading into the season. But in terms of how it's going to look on the field, I think most likely for us this season, I'm looking at like a 4-4-2, uh, which features obviously two strikers, one being more of like a second striker, so picture Joe Akini last year and Klaus being a little more ahead of him, uh, with a diamond in the midfield, probably like an Aziel Jackson at the spear, um, at the top and like a Blum at, at the bottom of that. I could also see as we tried, Justin, a little 3-5-2 uh, in preseason with a little back three and having Duyer and Totlan maybe on the fold, like the wide wing backs. I think that could be something interesting to look at too. I, I feel most comfortable with the 4-2-3-1 with those four guys in the back. And then you have Blum and Leuven side by side, but letting Leuven go forward a little bit more and Blum always being a holding guy yeah. right in front of the setter backs. Then you have AZ kind of just being that energizer bunny in the middle at the top of that of those three with any on the right, someone that can bring things in on the left. And then I think you got Joao up top, and I think it gives those guys a little bit more freedom and allows the outside backs to get up and get around the guys on the outside to make whip balls in as if you think about going down the right-hand side, as Indy cuts back, whips on him to the left, Celio cutting back in with his right, whips him in, or slides someone into the corner to get a cross in. Good question. You're by Kevin Polite. What, AZ do, you Plosser, what? what do you think? E-T-T-E? Kevin Pallette, I would just say. Kevin, let us know what you think here. But Kevin's asking us here, AZ, plus or minus seven goals. I'm going minus. But I think he's going to make up for that with assists. Yeah, I think the better question there would be over under 10 goals and assists combined. Yeah, goal contributions. Yeah. Goal contributions at 10. I think that would be a more realistic number for him. And unfortunately, I'm still going to go under. I think that he is a big playmaker and draws attention in a great way. I think if you could say a goal con- or goal contribution, if he's making a run and taking a defender with him and someone else gets slipped, well, like a little half assist or a hockey assist there, I think he's just going to be a great energized guy for us in a spark plug but um i don't know if he's going to be a goal scorer for us so final two segments justin we've got our player kind of superlatives predictions and then overall team predictions uh so let's talk player predictions at least Polite, jake you weren't oh, right either Kevin, what did i say I, did I say Pol- I think no I you definitely Polite. did not say that i said Polite. thanks yeah Kevin, yeah. For, yeah so golden ball who is going to be our best player this season I put in here the running for Leuven, Berkey, Klaus. It kind of feels cliche, but anyone else you'd add to that list? I'm going Klaus. I think we get a full season out of him. He's going to take this. I think he's going to be pushing for golden boot on the season because uh, we're going to need that output, and he's going to be our main guy. Give me a full season. So golden boot, I think we both agree it's going to be Klaus. I don't know who I'd put up against him. 
Uh, same at Dinneran, but it depends how much we're planning to planning to play him. Golden Glove, obviously Berkey, breakout player. Uh, this one could be interesting. I could see AZ, you know, really even further breakout this season. Um, I'm also really looking forward to Duyer. Uh, obviously, he's a little bit younger of a, of a profile guy, but I'm going to give a shout out again to my man Ostrock, still very young. Um, could he have that breakout season we thought he would have last year? I'm giving a shout. I'm going Rasmussen. I think this guy is hungry. Um, as long as he does not get re-injured, I think if we can get a good full season on him, even if he's not ready from the beginning, give me give me 26 plus games out of this guy. I think we see a lot of potential from him. Ooh, 26 would be great. I'd love that. Filthy, uh, filthiest player. You have Ostrock. You really are on this Ostrock. Is there like any of these you didn't put him on? Um, Indy, and then you didn't even put this guy in there. I typed him in there. Celio, Celio, hands down. I think it's like Celio, and then you got. I mean, Indy is pretty fun to watch, but. Celio's just got dangles, dude. He does. I do love to watch him. He's one of the best 1v1 players we have on, on the team, and I, I love to watch him get isolated out there on, on the wings. Um, the Rock Award. This is my phone way saying, who's your best defender? Obviously, Parker was one of the finalists for MLS Defender of the Year last year. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Nilsson's going to have a great year, but I think I like your take on Blum. Um, I think Blum could easily be our Rock. Yeah, I really do think that, uh, that we're going to have Blum be our Rock this year. I really hope so. Um, the one thing I will say for another breakout guy, I think Nilsson, I think a step up there. I think we got to see a little bit of him towards the end of the season. If we can see him be a mainstay at the center back and have Tim Parker right next to him, I would love to see him kind of take the role that Tim Parker did last year and start to own that back line. It's like that. What's that one picture of like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like the dad helping the kids. And then the next one is the kids helping the old grandpa. <laughs> that is it. That's what Nilsson's doing with Parker this season. We got a question from City Refs who will be the breakout refs this year. Honestly, guys, it depends on who's going to even ref at this point. Obviously, you're seeing a lot of the contract uh, stuff going on with the the you know the referee board, and um, the, you know they're not feeling like they're they're evenly or, or, or compensated enough. Uh, and we could be looking at replacement refs at least until those contract negotiations are sorted out. Um, so we things can get a lot worse on the ref side. If you felt refs were bad last year, um, I'm not looking at any breakout performances. I'm looking at bad breakouts potentially. Yeah, I was uh, I was also going to mention Jacob. Maybe a good little segue on this too. Uh, George Gansner. Can we talk about that real quick? Your idea? He's our, he's our breakout ref. Yeah, we he's we, our breakout ref. Yes. He's going to be our he's rules our... guy this year. Like whenever it's like uh, CBS Sports on Sunday, uh, Gene Stephanopoulos. What do you, what do you got for us, Gene? When they go ask him and Tony Romo makes yeah. comments, that's us. Or like uh, Joe Mackinick on on the Fox Soccer stuff. We're yes. we're, we're going to have a direct line into George Gansner this year to be able to give him your VAR questions, your takes on how bad the referees were this past game, and whatever you have from a rules kind of analysis. Uh, and I want to give a quick shout out to the City Refs. They've been putting out some great content. If you guys don't follow them on Instagram, these guys are hilarious and the workouts they're doing um, and everything that they've been doing, especially um, with the indoor soccer with the ambush and Rob Rob Cristo and all of those guys. It's pretty hilarious to go watch. Go watch their stories. Go watch their uh, their videos on Instagram. Yeah, shout out to City Refs. Uh, Justin, last segment. We're almost at the end here. Predictions for the season. Give me your predicted record. So 34 games MLS season. How are we coming away? You can just start with your points and then just back into the, the tally. Yeah, so I did this without, and then I looked at yours. It's relatively similar. I have a little bit higher than you. I have 51 points for us this year, um, which when looking at where that lands us, that would land us in the border between – having home field advantage in the round one of the playoffs or away. So like that fourth and fifth spot is where I think we land. I think more specifically, that would give us 14 wins, 11 losses and nine ties at home. I think we go nine, four and four away 
five, eight, and four. I think that's still respectable. That seems a little low, but that's a pretty common average in the MLS. It's really tough to get some away dubs and points there. Phases-wise, I won't get into the specifics. I have phase two. I was only getting two wins, three losses, and a draw. Phase three, five wins, two losses, three draws, and that's going three, three, and three in phase one, and then finishing out pretty even as well. But I think we have a tough phase two, and we really kick butt in that June to July time frame you're talking about, those long dog days of summer. Yeah, so I'm not as optimistic as you for this season. I've got 46 points as our tally coming out of sophomore season, which would put us in the border of a wild card and just being an away team in round one. Obviously, you'll still play a home game, but um, just second. Uh, so my record would break out to 13 wins, 14 losses, and seven draws. My reason for the loss tally being so high is look what happened last season. We were a great team last season. We also lost a lot. We did not draw many games. I don't think that's going to change as much for us this season. We, we live and die by the principles of play that we have. And I just don't see that draw tally getting very high. Um, and I actually don't love draws either. I'd rather win or honestly go out fighting for a loss. Um, so I have us, you know, fighting and clawing our way um, into what's hopefully another playoff appearance. My real goal gets into our predictions, which is the goal of what I view as success this year is getting into the playoffs. And as part of that, moving out of round one into the conference semifinals. That is success for me this year. That's where my bar is set. Yeah, not winning a playoff game. Yep. Winning a series. I don't want to lo- I don't want to lose in the wild card or round one. I want to move on. Um, I would agree with that, Jake. I think that's a good goal for us to have in longevity. I would like us to show a little bit in these tournaments, not just throw bring up a bunch of city two guys or throw a bench guys out there. I'd like to see a little competition in those. But another goal for us, Jake. Good question here by Kevin Pleat. Are we going to go to over under 15 games this year? I'm going with the over. Um, I think, I mean, we get 17 home games. Obviously, we're not going to be able to make all of those weddings and out-of-town trips, but we're picking one up in, in uh, Boston, seeing the Revs. I'm also going to go to Kansas City at least once, if not twice. I'm going to go with my over 15. I'm going under for myself. I just know myself. There's going to be so much going on, and um, – the, the, I don't think I don't think my son will allow me to, to be honest. But yeah, uh, if you can't if you can't make it, I'll just swing by and pick up Will, and we'll go together. Perfect. Yeah, you guys can go together. I believe that you'll get to fifteen plus games. I, Uncle I, Jay, Uncle Jay, I take care of Will. They take care of great. I'll let him try the frozen Irish coffees. Yeah, no, that would be great for a nine month old. I think he yes. would love that. I think he would love it's like that. ice cream. <laughs> well, there you have it. Folks, uh, an hour extravaganza. I've got a light glisten going on right now that this light is is killing me. But we've gotten through a full season preview as well as a little roundabout with City News and everything going on right now. I'm sure there'll be plenty more. Of course, I guarantee, Justin, this comes out on Thursday and there'll be news dropping tomorrow with, with new stuff happening. And of course, we couldn't include it here. But we'll be back soon. Trust me, we're also getting back on the radio waves. Uh, here on Friday on 590 The Fan on The Verdict with Nate Lucas. So if you are on the radio or tune in, you can do it on podcast form as well, 590 The Fan, and go to The Verdict. We'll be on there for a little Friday chat. Yeah, we're going to be getting into We have a packed schedule coming up, a lot of exciting things that we're going to be bringing in, interviews, announcements, everything to come. We're getting ramped up here. Um, we're going to break down the Champions Cup, that, how we go through all of that as well. We'll break down the games coming up, a lot coming. We already talked about it, three, two, three days of rest in our first three games. It's going to start getting busy. I'm starting to get excited. And if you've made it this far, an hour and two minutes of listening to us, um, go down and hit your subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us five stars, please. Uh, you know, it, we, we work hard in these episodes for you all, but love you for listening this long. God, if you're here, thank you. Uh, wow, that is a long time to listen to us. But uh, if you're listening on YouTube as well, like, subscribe to the show. We're working our way towards 1K subscribers. Um, we're going to hit it this season. I know we're going to hit it. Uh, so, 
thank you all for your support, you know, continually throughout uh, this off season. As we head into the season, it's going to be a heck of one. Uh, we'll be providing as much content as you possibly can handle. Um, so looking forward to it. But Justin, anything to say before we sign off here? That's it. I'm ready to get back into it. I got to get back to work. Unfortunately. Yeah, go back to work. And this, this club city goes back to work as well here very soon. And I'm looking forward to it. Everyone take care. Have a great rest of the week. And we'll talk soon. All for city. All for city.